Hi, I'm Cynthia Prefontaine, and my definition of relentless is giving your best every day and being 1% better every single day. Hello and bonjour, everybody, and welcome to the Relentless Podcast. We are excited about our guest today, Cynthia Prefontaine, the winningest ATV female rider in Canadian history. You're going to enjoy this podcast, so sit back and enjoy the ride. Cynthia, um, we are going to go through your very long resume of amazingness that you have been doing in your life that is completely out of my realm. I have no idea about any of the stuff that you do, um, but we're going to get into that because you are uh, a former motocross champion. Uh, you are an ATV rider of many machines. You are a hunter. You are a stunt woman. You are a woman who all the things that she does, for the most part, is in a male-dominated fields or areas. So welcome to the podcast. We're going to talk about how you've been at Relentless. We're so glad you're here. Well, thanks for having me. I'm super stoked to be here. <laughs> well, it's good. It's good. And you drove all the way in. I think it was a good two-hour drive or so, so we really appreciate you doing that. Cynthia, you and I got connected because of social media mm-hmm. um, through a connection that we have. And, you know, we can plug them a little bit on here since we don't actually have an official sponsor, so we might as well. <laughs> CycleWorks West uh, out in the Atchison area in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, my brother-in-law, Tate, who is the general manager there, part owner. And it's, it's, it's toys. That's what they sell. Uh, they sell a lot of things, but they sell a lot of toys. Recreational toys, snowmobiles. Uh, motorcycles, ATVs, side-by-sides, and you tagged them in a post on Facebook because they're one of your sponsors, and I was like, oh, who is this girl? And then I looked you up, and I was like, wow, she's got a lot of followers. Holy shnikes, she's done a lot of things in her life, and again, stuff that I have no idea about, but I just thought to myself, you must have had quite a journey to get to where you've where you are and, and, and what you've been through, and you must have been relentless along the way. I called Tate, he called you, and boom, here, here we, we are. are. Here we are. <laughs> yeah. so, so Cynthia, talk to me. Uh, t- let's let's t- tell the story of Cynthia. Where are you originally from? All that type of stuff. Um, so I'm originally from a really small town called Windsor in Quebec, so in the east part of the country. Um, there's about three, 4,000 people that live there. Um, most people are still there, I'd say. And yeah. I had this just really fire to leave since I was little. I thought initially I would end up in California, such a California girl at heart until I spent a lot of time there. I would say it's my second home still now. Um, but there's too many people there, yeah. too much traffic. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people there. There is a lot of people. Um, I ended up, so I raced, um, ATV motocross, as we discussed a little bit in the intro, uh, that was something that came on way later in life for me. So where I'm from, there's not really any, it's like the regular go to high school, play, like I played soccer, did a little bit of skateboarding cause I thought it looked cool, but yeah. nothing I got into like seriously. But um, you, but you liked sports. You were, you were into athletics. Yeah, right. and I was very competitive. Like, my dad's the same. I guess I took it from him. Anything I was doing, like, anything, I wanted to be the best. I was like, there's no way. If I run this 
two miles thing at school. I have to finish it. I have to be the first woman to like the last one to quit, I guess, and try to keep up with the guys. Like I've always had this really competitive thing in me. I just didn't know what for, I guess. (laughs) Do you come from a big family? No. No? Um, I mean, my dad has like five brothers and sister. My mom only has one brother. And then I have a a brother. That's all. So it's a pretty small. Older brother, younger brother? Younger brother. Younger brother. Yeah. But you have this competitive spirit in you that you feel probably comes from your dad. Was your, So your dad's a competitive person? Oh, yeah. We still compete as of today, yeah. whatever we try to do together. So yeah. So there's <laughs> fights over board games and stuff? <laughs> no, it's more um, my dad is into biking, like road biking. Okay. So I, he took me on the ride, and we did just a small 40K, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to get I'm going to get him. Like, it's... You know, I wanted to be better because obviously he's older than me. So, and he was just not giving me any chances. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he, so really, being raised, your dad didn't let up. He he always made you work hard if you were going to beat him. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, which got your competitive juices going. When you say just a short forty k, uh, I want to <laughs> puke because for those of you that don't know me or who I am, I'm. I'm just not, uh, I'm not really, anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, so when, when you're, you're a younger kid, you're, you're doing some sports, what led you into this world of competitive motocross, ATV, all that type of stuff? Like, like what happened in your life where you thought, ah, I want to get on a motorbike and fly, I mean, it's dangerous. It's very dangerous. What what made you think, yeah, I'm going to do this? Um, I kind of stumbled upon it. I was hanging out with a friend at school that was a bit older than me, and then she started dating a guy, and then he had a quad. That's, okay. And then she was like, well, I'm going to have my own. So I was like, that's a good idea. So I started working in a little pizza place. I was doing – I actually was making $60 a week, and I was putting every single cent of that aside so I could buy a quad. So now I, we're talking my language, pizza pizza yeah so yeah, I, I, I could talk a lot about pizza <laughs> anyways keep going so um i was 13 so it took like most people in my sport they start like young their parents put them into it and then they grow up doing it like most sports right a most lot of kids sports, are starting yeah, at right. four five six seven eight years old absolutely yeah. so for me it was 13 and then i got a little quad and we were just riding for fun i really had no interest in competing or nothing and then I was watching Montreal Supercross, so that would be 2003. <laughs> makes me feel old. <laughs> makes me, trust me, it makes me feel old. <laughs> Anyways. So I was watching that race, and I was like, this looks so cool. I want to do this. And my first boyfriend at the time, we were with his auntie, and she was like, well, you can do it. I was like, okay. That's all it took. That's it. That's all it took. I was like, I'm going to do this. And then I had no idea what I was getting into. I actually got another quad and then I showed up like, I didn't know. I found a place that had a race and I was like, well, I'm going to go there. And then I didn't know what to do, nothing. And then there was practice in the morning and I will always remember because I showed up with brand new gear. It was all clean. It was really muddy that weekend. And the girl's like, oh, you didn't practice. I'm like, oh, no, I don't need it. And she's like, no, no, you can't race if you don't practice. I've never even jumped in my life a quad or anything. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine, I'll go. So I went. I finished last. I had no idea what I was doing. And how old were you? Um, 15. 15? Yeah, at that 
point. Yep. And now, are your parents involved here? Like, is is your dad like, sure, we'll buy you a quad? Well, or he was he just no, that no. was all me. Okay. I actually had to hide like that from my parents for a while because they didn't want me to do it. So I had to say I'm gonna go for the weekend to my friend's place, and eventually, obviously, they found out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And my answer to them was like, well, I could be out doing drugs and partying. Yep. I'm, I'm going racing. So do they, they, but they knew you had a quad. Yeah. I yeah, just left it at my friend's place. So, okay. You so know. they didn't know to the extent of what you were doing. They had no idea. That is hilarious. Yeah. They weren't so pumped. <laughs> well, most teenagers at 15 are like, I'm going to stay at my friend's house for the weekend. And they're just out getting in trouble and they're whatever, chasing boy, whatever. And you're out racing quads without telling your parents. Yep. I love it. <laughs> yeah. But you but again, you weren't very good at it because you would I love how she's like, No, you should probably actually take a rip around the track, <laughs> actually know what the track is and you're like, That'll be okay. Yeah, and I wasn't, obviously. Yeah. I had no idea. It's very demanding sport. Also had oh, no yeah. idea. I didn't know nothing. I honestly was just a cocky teenager yeah. and I, I got served. Yeah. I should say. Yeah. So the first year I did I entered thirteen races. And by the way, it's really expensive, so all my money was going into that. My parents were wondering, like, why do you never have money if you work? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it was all spent on racing, right? And out of the 13 races I entered, I finished three because oh, wow. I broke down. I crashed. Like, there was always something. Like, when you have no idea what you're doing, you learn the hard way. And at that time, really, bec- again, let's go back to so many of the, the other competitors would have been doing this since they were young. Their families are involved. Some of them might even have sponsorship. They have oh, all yeah. these different things happening. And Cynthia's just showing up, being like, hey, what, everybody, what's happening? And you just jump in. and But again, without that support. But you still wanted to continue to do it because you obviously fell in love with it. Oh, and I'm so stubborn. Yeah. I hate to suck at things. So, and back then uh, i must say there was no women class so and there was a lot of people so we had like 25 quads racing and quite frankly when you're racing in the earlier day earlier class i should say because you have beginner junior intermediate pro okay say that again because you said that really quickly you have okay what do you have you have what because i'm learning all this from yes there is classes so when you start you're a beginner so you'll enter a beginner class then you move up to junior Move up to intermediate, move up to pro. Okay. Um, and then there's a whole point system, and it's not just, oh, I feel like I can do this now, and you move it. You actually have to race have to enough. Earn it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I was racing beginner, obviously. We were probably about 25 quads on the track, and there was guys, just guys everywhere. And when you're 15 and you're racing under 15 years old, because that'd probably be about average at, yeah. in the beginner classes, they're not nice to you. No. They don't want you there. No. <laughs> Little blonde tail in the back. How many How many females were doing this? Um, there is two I knew. One was doing that more for fun. She stopped racing quite quickly after yeah. this. The other one is actually a really good friend of mine. We still talk today. Yeah. We, lear- we, we actually met through racing. So out of 25 quads out there, there's three females. Yeah. These boys are not happy to see you there. I wouldn't say so. Kind of like back in the day, um, female hockey. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I grew up where in the 80s, females were not playing a lot of hockey. And there were a couple of girls where I grew up and they were playing. And truthfully, they were really good. But they annoyed all of us mm-hmm. because it wasn't normal. And it was the 80s. And it was like this, you know, similar situation. 
but this is with quadding now. Mm-hmm. So how does one at 15 years old learning a sport, not totally supported yet, right? Because again, you didn't have the sponsorship. You didn't have people helping you with breakdowns, you didn't any of that. I mean, you talked about being competitive, but how do you get through all that with all these boys probably treating you poorly? It wasn't the best. Like, yeah, yeah it was, uh, I mean, when you face adversities in life, this is where you build your character. This is why I'm here today. Like, yeah. there's all that that come into play. Back then, I had no idea, obviously. I was just super, like, I was stubborn. Yeah. I didn't want to be last. And then I realized, oh, this is actually fun. And I can learn. And I still remember I, I blew a head gasket. So on Don't motor. even know what that is, but okay. I believe you. <laughs> on, to- on your motor, <laughs> cylinder, piston, there's a gasket here. Okay. There's okay. a head that goes over it's top. It's all French to me, Cynthia. It's all French <sighs> to me. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I said it in English. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I get it. You, something went wrong on your quad. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I went to this little shop that was on the side of the track at the race, and I'm like, hey, I need a head gasket. And the guy's like, here you go. <laughs> My face at that time must have been like, What? He's like, well, you're going to have to put it on yourself. I, there you go. Yeah. As a, I don't even know how to do this. You have to torque You the probably screws. didn't have tools like, or anything. Oh, no. I had to go around the whole pit until yeah. someone was like, I'll help you out. Because yeah. like, probably they felt bad for me. I mean, I'm 15 years old by myself over there. Like, just, I would call people every weekend and be like, are you going to the race? Can I come with you? And wow. I'll pay for gas. Wow. Until my parents found out. Yeah. <laughs> it, to me, it's such a cool story. Uh, and so unique, uh, when your parents found out, then what happened? Oh, they didn't want me to do it. They no. were pissed, like yeah. not happy. And then I just was like, I'm still going to do it. So either you're letting me do it or I'm just going to find how to do it. And I think they knew by now I had enough strong will to figure it out. I mean, I was 15 calling people every weekend to go to races because right. I didn't have a driver license. So And you're paying for it. You're, yeah. you're, you bought everything that you're using. You're now learning how to change head gaskets. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what was their decision? They said, okay, we're going to support you. Um, yes. They were like, okay, whatever. Yes. And then the first race they showed up, I crashed so hard. I had a concussion, had to go to hospital. It was a disaster. My mom was like, you're done. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go again. You're like, this is part of it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm just dumb. I don't know what I'm doing yet. Just give me some time. And they didn't come for the longest time after that. They finally came to a four-hour endurance race. I don't even know if it was the same year. And then. My mom met one of her cousins that was there and then found out that his child was racing. And then that helped me for sure a little bit. Because yeah. was like, oh, wow. Well, in my family, there's other people well, that other like people that Other people do stuff. this. Did you say a four-hour endurance race? Yeah. So what's that? So basically you go, it's like a, it's a circuit in the sand. It gets really rough and you just go for four hours. Oh, wow. You're you have a teammate. Like I had someone else yeah. with me, so we would just alternate. I'll do an hour, she'd do an hour. But it is physically demanding. It's very difficult. Yeah. You have to be in pretty good shape. Wow. Okay, so how old are you? Your parents are sort of quasi jumping on board now. How old are you now? You're starting to you're start are you still a beginner? Are you moving into the junior level? I went to junior. Um it took some time. I then I, I went away from racing a little bit because it was expensive. I went to college because Apparently, that's what you're supposed to do in life. Sure. And then sure. <laughs> I went to college. Another great moment of my life where I told my parents I was going to go to college because they asked me to. 
I was like, yeah, I'm going to go do marketing. And then I applied for a college that was an hour away from home instead of the one that was like 20 minutes. That didn't go that well. I was like, I just want to leave. I just want to go do stuff. I want to be on my own. So I did. And then I sold my quad because I was like, well, (laughs) it's expensive. And I was partying a little bit, you know, Mm -hmm. college. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I did like racing um, from 2005 to 2008. I was... I was having fun. I was learning. I was having fun. Like, I was competitive, but not driven to win. I was like, okay, I'm doing this. This is great. And then I went away until 2010. My friend passed away. She mm. was racing. Mm, I'm sorry. Yeah, well, I hate to say, but I know so many people by now that either passed or have really bad injuries now because part of it, like that sport, it, it is high risk. So, unfortunately, she crashed. I was in 2010 in June, and um, I had a good sit-down with her dad, and her dad was like, you know, like, she really looked up to you, and da-da-da, and means the whole (laughs) thing. We're not going to get on it too much because I get super emotional, but that kind of shook me to my core because I was kind of busy partying and, well, college years. Yeah. And I was like, I can't be someone that at least her – her was enough for me, for someone that wanted to look up at me. And I was like, I can't be this person that's partying. I need to be serious about this. So I went to, like, someone lent me a quad that year. I, I did one race just to try. I got smoked. I raced the woman pro class because now they had a woman class. Okay. So I raced that woman pro class and um, <laughs> I got lapped, which means the first actually had a whole lap on me and a lap is like two minutes yeah i was like oh my god this is terrible what am i doing here i was so pooped like i was tired i was exhausted i was like this is stupid so i was like i need to win i'm not gonna be this person that even if she's passed now and she might be the only one looking at me right now but i cannot be this person that just get lapped right so that winter, that was a race. That race was, she passed in June. That race was September. And then I started training really hard. I become obsessed when I do something. And I was obsessed. I would walk 10 kilometers back and forth just to go to the gym because I didn't have a car. I lived in Montreal back then. Um, I'd go to the gym twice a day. I would do, I was into martial art as well. So I'd go train for that as well. I was just nonstop. Yeah. Um, Relentless. I was relentless. Yeah. It was crazy. When I look at it now, I don't even know how I did that. I was right. like, wow. I did not question anything. That was the goal. This is what I'm doing. So I did that. I showed Were you up. still in school at the time? No, no. I, no? I, I actually dropped out of college because okay. of it. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't yeah. want to be in school. I'm going to succeed. I looked at my dad straight in the eyes. I was like, sorry, but I'm going to be successful. Yeah. I don't need this piece of paper. And how old were you at that time? Well, the first time I told him that I was 15. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was like, you're going to stay in school at least for high school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As every dad probably should yeah. tell their kids. Um, and then I stick to it because, well, I wasn't going to drop out of high school. Yeah. Uh, and then I did go to college because that's the thing to do, right? Sure. But then my parents tried to help me and support me as much as possible, but it's not like the time were the easiest either. College is expensive, yep. and obviously I applied an hour away, so I had to get a room and all that stuff, yep. right? So 
like they would help me with some groceries here and there but i was paying for my books i was paying for that stuff and i was like if i put that kind of money into something i'm gonna put money into something i like because i was something that you love something that you're passionate about right yeah and that was my purpose then that was what i wanted to do so i just quit yeah i tell you what we're gonna take a little break yes when we come back after break um we are going to talk about the next part of your journey mm-hmm. and where it led you, uh, which I know it led you to the couple championships and uh, some other very interesting things in your life as well, uh, which I'm excited to talk to you about. So we'll be right back after this quick break. Yes. I was, I was looking at you guys before I came up. And I'm like, dude, there must be money in dirt because you guys look nice. Hey, folks, do you like to laugh? Who doesn't like to laugh? The UCAN comedy nights are a ton of fun. And do they ever make you laugh? Listen, our next You Can Call Me Nights happen in March 2023. If you want all the details on how you can support our incredible organization, You Can Use Services, go to our website for more details. That is at youcancomedy.ca. And you can find out all about our shows, our comedians, who's coming in, and all the ways that you can come out and support us. We look forward to having you there. And uh, why don't you come and have some laughs supporting the serious work that we do at You Can Use Services. And now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to the Relentless Podcast. We are here with Cynthia Prefontaine, um, ATV motocross extraordinaire. Uh, again, a world I am not familiar with at all, but I just found it so cool whenever I was reading about you. Um, explain to me what, because whenever we were talking motocross, I actually thought that was all motorcycles and everything because I know nothing. And you were just explaining to me that it's actually like a discipline and it's it's four wheels, it's two wheels, it's hills, it's jumping. There's a whole bunch of different things that go with it. So maybe just explain that quickly. Um. So basically the quad part of it, when I say ATV motocross, I mean like motocross racing means jumps. It's a closed circuit. It's a track and there is going to be single, double, tabletop. Like that's the type of jumps that you're going to find on that. Um, And then you can do that on a quad or on a dirt bike. Two wheels versus four wheel. Same track, same type of discipline, (coughs) just different machines. Okay. Um, and then you, you also have like within the same world, you'll have different discipline, like enduro, hard, uh, hard hair, scramble, hard enduro, um, like just different type of discipline that you can do. Motocross for me was what I wanted to do back then. I did go on doing tried other type of racing, everything that has a motor. That's kind of where I go. (laughs) My comfort zone, I guess. (laughs) But, yeah, so motocross is the jumping part of thing, the track. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so for you, you were mostly quads or did you do dirt bikes as well? No, I was quad. Yeah. Honestly, some days I wish I picked the dirt <coughs> bike over the quad, but I guess that was the path I, cho- I chose. Yeah. Or did the IT even Why would you, why would you, have, why do you say that? Um, I just feel like there was greater, better things to achieve in the two wheel world. Cause you could get further. Like right now, when I look at it today in 2022, um, the na- there's still a national down in the States for ATV motocross, but in Canada, there's really one series that I'm aware of that still race motocross. Like it's okay. died down quite a bit where motocross is like dirt biking is right. still going. Two wheels is a, is a bit more prominent. It's a way bigger market. Yeah. 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 So, listen, 
you sent me over, and I'm going to put my glasses on. You sent me over, uh, I don't know what we want to call it, your resume, whatever it is. All these different things that you were involved with. Mm-hmm. If I can find it here. Wow, way to be prepared, Dubé. Um, and there were many things that you were involved with. Uh, again, we don't have time to tell everybody <laughs> all this type of stuff. Um, but I know that at one point you were the, the, the women's pro champion in quad cross. Yes. Uh, basically, that's just different names for different series. It's all the same discipline. Okay. So ATV motocross is the discipline once again. And then you'll have um, the ATV nationals, which were in the States. You'll have the quad cross, which was in the East. We had the Canada Cup at some point as well. And I hate to say in a way, but I was definitely, and as of today, still the winniest female racer there was in Canada for that. Why do you hate to say that? It's very I impressive. I don't like the bragging. You I don't the, like the. So you, so technically, you're kind of the most decorated female racer racer in ATV motocross in Canada. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I played house league hockey. I know nothing about hockey. Yeah. <laughs> then let me tell you, it was I played it at house league level, which was incredible. House. Because you know nothing about it, I'm just going to leave it at that. I mean, it says house in it. I feel like it's a yeah. little far from, like, yeah, you know, the bigger league. It's but a little bit farther, okay. but, like, not, not super far. <laughs> um, yeah, like, honestly, we just don't have enough time to go through all these different things that, that you won or you were in second place or third place. Like, you raced a lot for quite a few years. I was pretty dedicated to it. Yeah, which mm-hmm. is incredible. Now, if we can – and I do want to talk about a couple other things that you're involved in. If we can talk a little bit – Back to the 15-year-old boys. 15-year-old boys turn into 25-year-old boys and 30-year-old boys and 40-year-old boys. And this is a male dominant. Now, you did say that there was now a, a female series or league or, or class. class. Just a Sorry, class. class. Yep. Was it still tough, though, to, to, to live amongst all these guys in this world? Like, did it get a bit better or no? I loved it um, because you had to be relentless because I, yes, I did race the women classes, the women pro classes. I raced all of it, but I also kept going with the guys. I yeah. also still was racing the guys class. Um, I did win some intermediate championship later on. I did move up to pro, I guess, but it's not a I was in pro in the States, so for me, it's not, you know, when you're trying so hard to accomplish things, I was like, I'm not a pro in the States. But I did move up. I did finish, like, top five in pro-am with the guys. Like, there is that part of me. I feel like if I did not race with the guys, I would have maybe not be able to win with the women as much. Just because the guys are, it's a tougher class. Like, it builds your character so much more. You have, like, they don't care. And I hate, like, well, I don't hate to say it, but it's tougher. Like, the testosterone, yeah. <laughs> it's different. It does something different to you guys, you know? Yeah. Um, it doesn't matter who you are, even, like, within each other's. They all want to win. All of it. And they're really hungry for it. So when you're there, you learn that. You learn how to take your place in that class and how to go faster. And if something happens, then you learn not to 
make it happen again like if something like because they will like get in your wheels and like just push you and do yeah, it's aggressive things. it's very aggressive yeah. so you learn that and then you go race with the woman and it like don't get this wrong woman can be pretty aggressive i've had some good runs with some mm -hmm. women especially down in the states where that's what they do they used to race like all year round they had crazy sponsors like that was their life so <laughs> you go down there they race with the guys too quite often women are more competitive in some of these sports yeah. right like they are but we're nicer sure I, I i need to ask because how does one make a living doing this you don't you don't no i was working 40 hours a week and then the other uh, the other 40 hours a week was spent training racing wrenching that's all my life was right. like i I was working like a regular nine to five job in the industry. I must say I've always wanted to be in this industry. Um, and it allowed me to pursue this passion more easily because I was working a job in the industry. It was easier for me to say, Hey, I'm going to leave early because I'm going to go race and it still helps your company. Right. Yeah. Um, so I did, that and then well it didn't matter which day of the week it was but on wednesday i would definitely go ride because you need to practice and then friday saturday sunday was for racing and then the monday tuesday thursday you wrench you get ready like it's a full-time job on top of your full-time when you job. say you wrench that means you get you get the machine prepped yes you go through you everything change head gaskets <laughs> this happens spark plugs <laughs> Uh, yeah, but you just go belts. through the, the machine. There's no belt. Oh okay, shoot. It's okay. Um, but you just go through the machine, make sure nothing's going to fall apart when you're racing because first injuries are going to be bad probably. Yeah. Um, and second, you work so hard to get to that level, you don't want your quad just to break for something stupid that you did not take care of. Yeah, it's, it's got to be ready. The same yeah. as you, your machine has to Everything. be ready. Because technically, now, I, again, I'm just making shit up as I go here. You and the machine are one. Well, you have to be. You have to be. You have, yeah. So both have to be ready. Both have to be optimum speed, in shape, ready to go. All of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So interesting. Now, there's some other things that you've done here. Mm -hmm. um, like you said, if it has a motor... I you, love it. You love it. <laughs> so you also snowmobile. Yes. Um, and this is how you know Tate at CycleWorks West. Uh, what, so what do you do for that? Like, are you a guy? Like, what? how does that all work? Because you're one of his riders. Mm -hmm. So he actually sponsors you. Mm -hmm. What does that even mean? Um, I should track back a little bit to how I got into snowmobiling. When I was racing quads down in the States, I did a few seasons down there. Not full-time because it was too expensive. And it was still me paying for everything. Even yeah. though I did have, like, a lot of sponsors then, it still is. Like, you need 150 grand to do a season down there. So, you know, with a job, a normal job, it was pretty impossible. Yeah. That's, <laughs> all, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So, anyways, there's a team um, <coughs> that approached me back then, a Polaris team. And they're like, hey, uh, we need a women in our women class, in our team, like to race snowcross, which snowcross is the same principle. You're jumping, but you're on a snowmobile. I was like, I have never done that before. Are you sure you want me to do this? They're like, yeah, you just have to show up every weekend. I'm like, that's easy. Yeah. I'll do it. Turns out I won. <laughs> just a natural. Actually, I'm far from natural. 
from the first time I jumped on a sled to now, I'm like, wow, different rider. Right. I'm just very stubborn, persistent, resilient. Like, I am relentless yeah. when it comes to that. Like, I don't, I love doing these things, but I hate to suck. And you don't, it seems like you really don't fear things. I do and I don't. I did get a lot of injuries and I got hurt many times where you smarten up. And What's the worst injury you've ever had? How many bones have you broken? I don't know. That uh, many? Well, not that many. Like, I, I had a lot of sprain and stuff like that. I did break my back, though. Ooh. That was kind of not great. I How long are you out for? Five, six months. Wow. I actually tried to go a little early, and I was like, okay, this is dumb. I drove all the way down to Tennessee to find out I couldn't race because my back was too messed up still. Cynthia, do you see how my one pinky is bigger than the other one? Yeah. I once cut the like the the on my right pinky. It was a long story. It was a hockey thing. And I left the game with my my house league team and I got one stitch. Oh. <laughs> just wanted Sorry to t- to I just hear. wanted to tell you that story. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to tell you my injury story. It's it's great. Anyways, back to your broken back. So so you couldn't you couldn't compete for 6 months. Uh, other bones like you don't even remember how many bones you've broken. No, it's not Have that bad. Have you had concussions? Yeah. Yeah. That's the worst. That's tough. That is the worst. Like, it feels like you're so tough when you're young because you don't care. Concussions are kind of funny, right? You're like, whatever, yeah. I don't remember. I got my bell rung. Who cares? Yeah, now, yeah. especially today, that's yeah. a big deal. Um, so much more uh, scientific stuff has been done with concussions and proving the, the long-lasting stuff with concussions. Right? Yeah, it's, it's very serious. Yes, 100%. So, yeah, yeah there was a few concussion. I did break my wrist. I don't remember. I broke my hand. I did race with that one, though. I didn't yeah. care. I was like have to race and there's I a went back I went to my next hockey game with Thank my pinky you. injury mm-hmm. I did yeah I how just, did that go I taped it up I probably <laughs> probably got two goals and an assist there you yeah, go probably I don't remember that's pretty common for me in my house league team but <laughs> anyways this isn't about me Cynthia um <laughs> you're you're doing the snowmobiling then what then. you got really good at it really fast uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. I actually liked it. The one thing I found is that my body was starting to struggle because I was racing now every single weekend for snowcross. Then I, like, legit finished my f- last race of the season on a snowcross, hop on a truck, went down. I think it was Tennessee again or somewhere south. It was like a 20-hour drive kind of thing. And I went racing my quad. My body was starting to ache, just yeah. tired. Like, it's a lot of asking for your body like yeah so i did i've that done season. a little bit of snowmobiling when i say a little bit it's because of my brother-in-law my my in-laws yeah. were big into the, the sleds so i would i would the odd time be able to go out and honestly you go for an afternoon just sledding around here out on a lake or something and you're tired and sore because you're to do that continuously and continuously that makes total and even though you're in great shape you're doing this this is your profession it's it would demanding. that's a lot and injuries catch up to you too like yeah. eventually sometimes my back would just be like nope not today but you yeah. still have to do it so you learn these things like i i went to my osteo one time in montreal and i was in such pain and he was like you broke your freaking tailbone and i was like when he's like not recently i was like oh you didn't even know no you get so used to dealing with that stuff that and you get in such a mindset that you're like i want to win i want to be good i want to be better than i was yesterday like there was like yes i'm competitive but i always wanted to be better for myself because i had to prove myself this girl from a small town had to do it you know like i can do it and i wanted to do it but why 
Like, this is what's so interesting to me when I talk to people like you. And I think it's amazing. And I wish that I had 10% of your drive. Um, But why? Like, why do you have to prove yourself? It sounds like you came from a good house. Sounds Mm -hmm. like mom and dad loved you, all that. Why did you, who did you need to prove this to? Me. You. I had this fire in me. I still do. It's just burning so strong. Like, I have this optic in life that we're alive here right now. We're, like, I'm grateful because we're doing this conversation. I met you. I met Tate. I met everyone. And I want to make the most out of everything, you know? Mm. And for me, living, that's what it is, is doing all these experiences and living through all of that. That what makes me feel alive the most. Yeah. So I'm just like, bring it on. This is what I want to do. So I guess that's that's part of Very this. Very adventurous. Yeah. Very adventurous. Which p- potentially led you into doing being a stunt woman. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I've never met a stunt person. <laughs> um, so I don't think I have. So I think this is very cool. So you thought to yourself, I know what I'll do. Uh, like I already jump things on different machines. Um, I'm going to go and potentially jump things in shows and movies and get paid for it. Um, part of your resume is you've taken a, a courses in film fighting. Mm-hmm. which is cool. So uh, talk to, what, like, why? why? Why did you want to be a stunt woman? So one thing led into another. Uh, when I was in Montreal, I used to train people. I had my coach, Chris, still a really good friend of mine today, was the guy I approached to do my preparation when I went back to racing in 2011. And me and him just clicked. Obviously, 12, 13 years later, we're still really good friends. Yeah. Um, and this guy... Uh, train a lot of actor comedian stunts and he was like well I don't have time to train people I'm going to do their program and then I'm going to do nutrition and this and that whatever do you want to train them in the gym and me and my competitive oh my yeah of course I want to and it was great to just be in the gym like I've learned this whole side of things too and it was a great side job I guess so I started training stunts because you're getting paid for it well, which, yeah, which is great. Paid for yeah. It. Yeah. Um, and then turns out those stunts guys, hi to all the stunts in Montreal, I guess, we're all about my age or a bit older. And then we all got along. So I started training with them. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hey, this is great. And they were like, we'll come to the stunt stage. I don't even know if it's still a thing now, but I was like, what is that? So they had like everything set up for practicing their stunts, which is where I did kind of the film fighting training um with one of their guys there and then i just go every week and started training that i was like oh my god this is so cool but i still had like not too much interest because i was so busy with racing and every time they'd be like hey we have something could you come or whatever i could never make it and well it's complicated to get more contracts when you can't even make one right so i was like oh whatever and um and then they had this movie called nitro rush and they wanted to have a pretty cool quad stunt and they're like, hey, we need someone to guide us through that because we have no idea. So I was like, yeah, cool, no problem. So I ended up assisting the stunt coordinator in his quad stunt. I actually... So you were consulting now. I was consulting. Right. So I hired the, those two guys, or he hired them. I recommended them, I guess. Rent my quad to him, and we got all that organized. And actually, it turned out the stunt was super cool. Jumped over a truck and... Like it was like you did that. No, I didn't. Oh. I was just consulting, right? Okay. I was kind of telling them like, 
we can do this, we can't do that, like, you yeah, know, that yeah. kind of stuff. I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. Like, I had a lot of fun doing that. Um, and in the meantime, I did go, actually, that's funny. I did go to Vancouver for Steven Seagal. Oh, yeah. I was his yeah. nutritionist slash. So you fit. met Steven Seagal? I actually lived in his house for two weeks. Come on. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. What's this guy like? Because, uh, listen, you know as well as I know that there's lots of other that he's like, he's a bit much. He is a bit much. He's a bit much. I mean, oh, I, my gosh, we're getting the skinny. This is the biggest news we've had on the podcast so far. Is it? Yeah. You know that, he, that you know that he's not allowed to go on SNL, Sunday Live? Like, he's banned from SNL. Worst guest ever. I know. Um, he's crazy. This is funny. You this lived is in his house ago. with him or he just. Well, no. there's like 11 people living in there. Wow. Yeah. He's like like the bodyguard. I have my own room, my own bathroom. Man. And they called me Hitler because I got in there. I was like, I had this idea too, right? I was like, this is how he is. Like, okay. And he's twice my size. I yeah, couldn't even reach dude. the other side of his hand when I shook his hand. Yeah. So I went in there. I was like, all right, this is what you're doing. And then, well, turns out I met the stunt coordinator for whatever he was filming back then. We got along and eventually I moved to Alberta. He called me. He's like, do you want to do stunts again? I was like, yep. So this, is, so this is why you came to Alberta? No, because they're in Vancouver. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I always wanted to move to somewhere else. Then I yeah. met a guy. Yeah. The whole story. Um, but the funny part is I was like, hey, I'm moving to Alberta because they actually his parents flew me here for a race. And I fell in love with Alberta. Mm. That was the first time I came here. And I was like, yeah, I'm coming back here. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make my life here or at least for a while. So I moved here in the following year. So, no, that's not why I move. Because the stunts, everything happens in Vancouver mostly and a little bit in Calgary. And, yeah, so this awesome stunt coordinator, he called me and he was like, hey, are you interested? I was like, yep, coming on my way. So I did a little bit of work for him. Like the latest one would be Midnight Mass, which came out last year. Okay. We had a big fight in a church. Yeah. <laughs> it's blood yeah. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's amazing. <laughs> I think it's so cool. Cynthia, you you just got a cool life. You yeah. do. And I love how you talked earlier about, you know, because I'm asking why. And, and you're essentially saying, because I want to live my life. Yep. I want to feel like I'm living it. Yep. And I admire that. I really do. Um, is there, is there a, you know, when I think of, of, of hopefully somebody being inspired by listening to your story. That's my hope. Um, and we talked about it before we, we started recording, but essentially it it's, doesn't matter who, right? Um, but the idea of young females uh, who are maybe thinking of getting into this world that you live in, um, which, again, male-dominated, you've, you've had to work very hard to prove yourself not only to yourself but to many people, um, you're tough. You're tough. Do you suggest that this is a route that young girls go down? Do you think that um, there should be more females doing what you did and continue to do in your life? Yes. The answer is yes, but the answer, I think, is a bit more elaborate than that, too, because I think what... 
what's driven like driving all of this for me is passion right i am passionate and because i'm passionate i become obsessed with it right (laughs) i always say that i'm obsessed um so whatever it is that these young kids girl boy whoever want to do in their life as long as they're passionate with it then go for it right i don't think there's a limit to what you can actually achieve yeah well it doesn't seem like with you which is which is very cool um now what's i guess we'll wrap up because i'm trying to figure out what you do a lot of things and you do own your own business Mm -hmm. and so talk to me a little bit about that what does that entail what is that all about Let's pump your tires a little bit. Let's, 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 you know, <laughs> your business's tires. Uh, my business. Okay. Um, so it's T7, well, 27 promotion, T7 consulting. I try like the, the main focus on it. There's a few things. Okay. One thing I do represent for some brands. So there's a distributor in Canada called MSD. We have a bunch of brands for snowmobile dirt bike gear. So I go on the road and I help dealers book their stuff for next year and that's kind of part of what i do okay the other side of it t7 consulting this one helps people um that's my favorite part i love it like i feel like i help dealer in that kind of thing because i help their business get better hopefully and that side of thing is great i love it but the part where i love the most is like when i i have a few clients and they're like hey I, I want to, like, progress in this world. Like, I, I want to get better. At, like, it's all writing-related as of right now because that's where I'm most comfortable with. Um, but I, I want to brand myself. I want to, like, get somewhere in this industry. I Like, how do I do it? Where do I go? Who do I talk to? How, like, how just do I present myself to this industry? Yeah. So I've been doing a lot of one-on-one consulting that way it's been amazing because it's such a growth for me as well because i see all these perspective of people where they come from how they see life like i love the psychology like attached to it i love it it's Mm -hmm. probably my favorite part how the human brain works and everything like even if we talked about your life and your house league hockey or whatever house house league hockey yeah that one like i just love to know days about it perfect yeah i love it so I just like to hear these stories and how people think that this is the best they can do in their life too or why they want to be better and why they want to become a better version of themselves and what they want to do, their passion, all of that. I'm really glad I met you. <laughs> you, you are a very positive person. Yeah. You have a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love your story. I really do. I think it's incredible. Um, I think you're a good example of there are so many great stories in this world that I wish everybody could hear. Mm-hmm. And you're one of them. I really believe that. Um, because of the fact that, that, that your sports that you've been involved with, they're, they're kind of niche, right? Like they're not like these big major things, but the amount of work, time, effort, love, passion that's gone into it has made you so successful. Well known as well. You have a lot of followers on, uh, well, I know on Facebook there's like there's a few. A lot of them. <laughs> 17, over 17,000, something like that. Um, people look up to you, and I think that, that that's amazing. My hope is that some some young people will listen to this and look up to you, that they'll enjoy your story, they'll they'll be inspired by it, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to do in the future. Um, 27 is the number that you wore. Yep. 
I'm not making this up to be funny. My favorite number is 27. And I even wore that one year in house league hockey. Yes. So, look, well, we have so much in common. I know, right? We have right? so much in common. <laughs> At least 27. At least 27. At least. Mm. Yeah, you're just more successful. Anyway, we, yeah. we don't do... Um, <laughs> We like to finish the podcast off with a some sort of an inspirational or motivational quote to put you on the spot. Do you have any motivational? Do you, do you have any quotes that you love? Um, I have many. Okay, hit, hit hit us with a good one. Um, it depends. Right now, the one that speaks to me the most is you can't hit a target that you can't see. Hmm. Very cool. I Very don't know cool. who said it, but that's no. kind of my. My one of the day. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> the one that I'm going to pull out, we have, we have a whole whack load of them that we use, but I'm going to pull this one out. Um, because I'm actually thinking of you, and this is honestly, uh, this is about your personality. I've, we've literally talked three times, but we've sat here for almost an hour. And this, this basically says, whatever you are, be a good one. Yes, I love it. That's you. I thank you. That's you. Thank but also you. I can tell you're a good human. And I thank you for coming on the Relentless Podcast. Um, where can we find you on social media? At Prefontaine27. Pre- 27 is the number. Very important. Yeah. yeah. So at Prefontaine27. Yes. Perfect. Everywhere. Um, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much and, for having me. Yeah, and I hope that a lot of people listen and uh, look you up and just see how incredible you are. Thanks so much. Appreciate that. All right. Thank you, Cynthia. Thank you.